When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, if you are uh, if you are like us and you scan the news pretty frequently, then we're sure you are already well aware that uh, there is a nationwide epidemic, apparently, of people pretending to play the violin. That is a true story, but uh, it's... <laughs> uh, I got, I, I've got to say, though, one, the one thing that bugs me about mm. like some films, even if the production value is super high, uh, pantomiming of playing instruments is almost always very bad. Have oh, you yeah. noticed that, guys? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. And, uh, it is a I grew up thing. playing the violin, so it, it vexes me when I see someone shredding on the violin in a movie and just clearly not moving their fingers in the right way at all. And I imagine this would be the same thing with these uh, these fraudulent buskers. It's it's the same thing with any almost any specific physical skill when you see it in a film. Often, if it's not an action scene, then uh, experts will be driven crazy watching. Watching someone act it out, right? That's why the good move for a lot of films is to teach the actors 
how how mm-hmm. to at least play parts of a song or instrument, and then just do the cutaway to the hands and boom, boom, boom. Uh, but we're not talking Dude, what, about wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Ja- uh, what the Jamie Fox performance? Uh, what was what was the movie? Um, Ray Charles. Ray Charles document or uh, what biopic? He like biopic, learned all yeah. that stuff. That's how you do it. Filmmakers listening. <laughs> yes. So did uh, the dude that played Eddie Munson in Stranger Things when he did the Master of Puppets scene. He actually, there's video of him learning to play that. So it really makes a huge difference, even if it wasn't actually his audio. And then there was that other one. There's that other, um, oh, there are numerous examples. Send your favorite. Uh, for now, uh, we just want to give a special shout out to all the people actually busking uh, by playing a violin. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to the sea floor and uh, everything <laughs> holy about it. You'll see what we mean. Uh, we want to oh, give a nice tease. We want to give a shout out to uh, the terrifying, the terrifying uh, rise of pre-crime, which is probably going to happen now. We predicted it. And as we said earlier, it's sad, but usually when we predict a bad thing happening, we tend to be correct. Just once we want to predict a good thing, but you know, hope springs eternal, especially if you are someone playing the lottery in the United States today. Segway. Oh, the luck <laughs> is in your favor, except it's Ooh. not ever because that's not a thing. Well, maybe, maybe is luck a, is a thing. <laughs> I heard the lottery once described as a tax on people who are bad at math. Well, Kind of, but as we're going to learn in this uh, this segment, let's call it, we're going to learn that the lottery can be a fun and good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's why. If you like chicken fingers, you're going to love this story. <laughs> Shout out to the guys over at This Is Important. They are the reason I even know about the chain we're going to discuss today. Today's story comes out of CNN, and it is about a certain franchise owner, a company owner, that purchased lottery tickets for the Mega Millions lottery for all 50,000 of his employees. Mm, Wow. wow. A good, happy, nice story. So, uh, what? Really? Yes. Let's dive in. Where's the twist in the darkness? I'm waiting for the uh, the other shoe to drop. The twist in the darkness. Ben already kind of hinted at, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into it really fast. So, as of yesterday, Tuesday... July 26th, the lottery, the Mega Millions lottery jackpot hit $810 million. That's a lot of money. So a gentleman named Todd Graves, who is the founder of a little place called Raising Cane's, uh, this is a chicken finger restaurant. If you like chicken fingies, this is a place to go. If you don't like mm-hmm. chicken fingies, stay far away because that's all you got. all they've got. <laughs> are, are they tendies as well? What's the? I think they might wh- be tendies. Yeah. Okay, tendies, fingies, yeah. <laughs> strips, no nuggies. Yeah, no nugs, no nugs. You can just you can cut a fingy into fourths and then you get your nuggies. There yeah, you go. There that you way. go. Gotta be there the change. Go. DIY. Be the DIY change. nuggies. Yeah. Uh, so, seriously, seriously, I went on their website. It's literally yeah. chicken fingers, some fries. Mm-hmm. I think there might be coleslaw involved if you get mm-hmm. one specific thing. There's coleslaw and yeah. a sauce. There's Texas toast. Oh, you're There's right. Texas and toast as well. Cane sauce. They look like little hot dog buns. Mm-hmm. And, and cane sauce is the big. But you know what? I respect it. Matt, I respect it because at some point they said, we're going to focus on one thing and we're going to nail it and do a good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I, I respect it. I love I'm it. not necessarily given to it, but, uh, 
this was just this past Monday, right? And as you were saying, it's over $800 million. And I guess $800 million was the threshold for the head guy of, of this company to say, all right, I'm going to drop, what, 50 grand? Get everybody a, a $1 ticket? Oh, no, 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 no. This is a hundred grand. So these are Mega Millions cost $2 to buy. That's ah, the one with the okay. old Powerball, right? Five regular okay. old numbers and then one Powerball. Mm-hmm. And, and you, can, you can play whatever numbers you want, or you can just get them to randomly generate numbers for you as well, correct? Yes, 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 yes. You okay, can. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, and you have to use cash, by the way. You cannot use a credit card to buy these tickets. Right. And. This person, Todd Graves, founder of this place, did indeed spend $100,000 to buy 50,000 tickets. And the concept here was if anyone in the company won this lottery through one of these tickets, then all of the 50,000 employees would share this money, which is really, really nice. Uh, a cool idea. Again, I think this is like one of the best ideas that, I, that I've heard. Back in the day, we used to... We used to pool our money at Yield How Stuff Works, and yep. we would buy lottery tickets. And if any one ticket won within the pool, everybody who played gets to share the winnings. Um, but we did that internally. We spent our own money. In this case, it's a company owner, you know, shelling up their own cash Ooh. as a possible benefit for the entirety of the company, which is just really cool. And you know what I think is interesting about that is that in our situation, which is common to many workplaces, at least in the States, in our situation, there was some psychology at play because you would have, you know, you you got some change, you got a couple bucks or whatever. You don't want to be, even if you never ordinarily gamble, you don't want to be the one person who wasn't on the list. And now everybody you work with, except for you, is a millionaire you know what i mean it's like the (laughs) risk aversion gets switched so now the founder graves has done something really interesting he's basically giving everybody two bucks and the chance to have much more so you don't have that same fear motivator i think that's cool i think it's a neat gesture unless there's like more to the story it's a bold move on his part too because if you know if everyone if there is a win He's going to be out an entire workforce. Yeah, I mean, that's... No, 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 no. Presumably. No, there's... Okay, there's caveats. Okay, okay, okay. This is why. Okay, so when you win a large lottery like this, you have two options. Yes. Especially here in Georgia, and I'm pretty sure it's for every place that plays this Mega Millions lottery. Mm -hmm. Um, You can either take payments that will be sent to you, like kind of like a paycheck, basically, and they increase in amount over time to adjust for inflation. But it would just be you'd be getting smaller, much, much smaller payments over time. Or you can cash out and you just take a huge cash sum. And at that point, the full thing, the full amount is taxed. So the estimated cash value of that $810 million jackpot from yesterday was in fact around $470.1 million dollars at least according to CNN. And that means if you divide that up by the 50,000 employees that would be getting a share, you get around $9,400 for each individual person. Oh, okay. Sorry. Which is, I'm also bad at no, That's no small sum, right? My goodness. 9.4 grand just uh, as an extra thing coming to you. That would be amazing, right? Right. Uh, But... It's not the same as everybody who's like, all right, I'm out of here. Um, no more raising this cane. I'm going to 
uh, go to Chick-fil-A, I guess? No, I don't know. I don't know. How dare you? Presumably. you. How dare you go to Chick-fil-A? Judas, I say. Well, they have more than well, one I, sauce. I mean, oh, they, they do. I like the Polynesian sauce. You can actually buy that bottle at the uh, at Kroger around here, which I always thought oh, was you, you guys move. like the tang um, of homophobia is what it sounds like. <laughs> oh no, I'm kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. Live, li- li- live for it. No. Uh, very, uh, very streamlined operation. They do say, they say my pleasure too much. That weirds me out. But no, I mean, I, a question so, I mean, is the yeah. idea. Yeah, uh, the idea here, I guess, is, that, you know, with 50,000 uh tickets in the game you know you 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 raise your odds i guess if and were they all randomly generated uh, is that how they played it or what was the idea and, and what is the logistics of buying 50,000 lottery tickets with cash as a single human being how do you even get them yeah i uh i don't have all of that information all we know from that cnn article is that it was difficult to buy 50,000 Lottery tickets. <laughs> oh, I see. Now he tweeted that. He tweeted yeah, that. He yeah. said it's harder than you think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming it was through some kind of cashier's check, I'm, I'm imagining, because that whole thing's got to be weird. You certainly do kind of raise the odds, except for, as we discussed before, and Ben, I'm going to lean on you for this just a bit. Every time you play, especially if you're randomly generating numbers, you have the same odds every time you play the lottery, essentially, is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, and it's one in 300-something million. It's some ridiculous number. Um, a crazy v- low chance that you would actually win this lottery no matter how many times you play. It's weird. Okay, so maybe a way to explain it is uh, you know how gravity is just a little bit different if you're in very, 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 very elevated places, but it's a very, very, very small change. You can use that analogy to think about the way the lottery works. So if your chance is, for instance, one in just 29.2 million, that's a that's a number I, I saw in a statistics article on this, then you can up your odds by buying 10 tickets, you spent way more money than you meant to. And in exchange for that, your odds go from 1 in 29.2 million to 10 in 29.2 million. It's like it it does have an effect, but it is so small, you could only call it technically improving your chances. It's kind of like how um, if, you, if you're running late and you try to speed on the interstate, uh, you can shave a couple minutes off but you're probably still going to be late. If you're already like more than 15 minutes late, it's probably not going to happen. You know what I Got mean? You. So, 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 yeah. So statistically, you're not really raising your odds, even, even though you technically are. You are a little bit. Yeah, you are a little bit, but it's um, not significantly. To do it significantly, you would have to, you know, buy... Millions of lottery tickets, but to this point, I think we're we're Noel's going. Well, with this you'd also is, you'd also have to make sure that none of those none of those sets of numbers are repeating, right? Or the same. Yeah, to really right. increase your odds. Mm-hmm. But with that, but if they were randomly also, generated, chances yeah. are they wouldn't be. Right. That's what I was going to say. If they're randomly generated, they're not the uh, like the odds of those same numbers being randomly generated in that string. That is winning just another crappier lottery basically in terms of the odds, <laughs> right? Yes. So, uh, so I think it's, 
I mean, I still like, it's a good question. 50,000 50, tickets, uh, to what degree does that increase your odds, right? If it's one iteration or one instance each. Still, I don't think, you know, if you're comparing millions to tens of thousands, it's not a huge bump. But it is still a really yeah. nice gesture, right? Yeah, no, it's a super it. nice gesture. Yeah. And not not to be cynical about it, but it's a damn fine PR move uh, yes. for a small company uh, that's, you know, a single owner who presumably treats his employees better than, you know, larger fast food chains. There are not infinite numbers of these. There isn't one in Georgia or in Atlanta currently. Um, there, You know, there's there's a limited number of them. And so I think it's more of that, like, see, we take care of our people. We were all in this together. You know, it's definitely, I mean, obviously it got picked up you know, far and wide, yeah. this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. You're correct. It's a great PR move. Sadly, guys, it is Wednesday, July 27th, as we record this, and uh, nobody won. Not a single person won the major jackpot, all nope. six numbers. Uh, oh, and and by the way, according to AP, the chances of winning all six or getting all six numbers correct is one in 302.5 million. Which mm-hmm. seems like it's a millions. lot. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> th- 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 thinking it's a lot. Thinking it's a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, but that means you guys, in between the time that we are recording this right now and the time that this Ooh. comes out on Monday, next Monday, which is today when you're hearing this, somebody may have won that lottery, and the founder of Raising Canes has said he's going to play again and he's going to keep playing. Until he wins, or, or until someone wins. <laughs> oh, until is, someone wins. Okay. Until someone wins. Because imagine, dr- like, dropping $100,000 twice a week. It's a lot of chicken fingers. Mm. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it's so many chicken fingers. All right, guys, we don't have to talk about this too much more, but there are a couple places you can go to to learn more about the lottery. Not long ago, we talked about, I think it was a woman who dreamed about numbers and then played the lottery and won. It was mm-hmm. a while ago. Yeah. Um, but we we brought up some of the same things I wanted to bring up today, but I don't think it's necessary. You can go to every state's lottery website and check out. Usually they have a section called where the money goes. Mm-hmm. So if you go to galottery.com, you can navigate to their where the money goes section and you can actually see how much money is spent on, uh, you know, employees who work for Georgia Lottery on their overhead, basically, how much they they spend on their staff with the money that's brought in by these lottery tickets. It shows you how much money is paid out to players and how much money is paid to retailers. So people actually sell the lottery tickets and how much money actually goes to education. And in the state we live in, in Georgia, in fiscal year 2021, Georgia Lottery gave $1.54 billion in funds to education, which includes things like the Hope Scholarship Mm -hmm. that uh, allows children to go to college here Mm -hmm. in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And and every state has things like the Hope Scholarship, not necessarily the exact same thing, but things like that when it comes to funding education in their state. Uh, Texas is the only place that was really weird. I couldn't find exact numbers on the Texas lottery hmm. stuff. They want you to know, Matt, Matt, what is it that causes the pot to get so much bigger when we have these historically large lottery pots, more people play. Yeah. Right. That's it. I mean, cause it, as that number gets bigger, more people are like, all right, I've reached my threshold of going, eh, might as well waste $5, $10, whatever it is. $2 feedback loop. 
and the and the cost that makes sense. cost risk analysis or the cost benefit analysis changes because the the infinitesimal chance <laughs> of winning uh, is more attractive as there's more and more stuff. And if you're listening and if you won by the time this comes out, uh, congratulations. Just give you a couple quick tips. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell us. Don't mm-hmm. tell your family. Honestly, I'm going to say it. This might be a hot take. I would think very carefully about telling your romantic partner. Also, don't tell your children. Literally, omerta for for the rest of your life. That's the yeah. only way to do it. Okay, make a trust fund for each kid. Put most of it in there, and then enjoy what you got. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, live then, like a secret then. drug lord, like like <laughs> Gus Fring or something. You know, you just gotta. Really, uh, yeah. It's such a weird curse to all of a sudden Main, have that much maintain money. Maintain normalcy. Yeah, don't at all quit costs. your job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep showing up to work for at least like a year. Seriously. I know it <laughs> seems like a long time because you're a billionaire now or you will be. Mm-hmm. And then also, obviously, don't take the lump sum at all. Don't do it unless you have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of billionaire, the. Friday drawing that's occurring, you know, again, that just occurred mm-hmm. when you're hearing this, it is over $1 billion. Yes. Or right about one one point zero two billion, mm-hmm. which is nuts. And, and this has been our giving advice for things that will never happen segment. Well, statistically, <laughs> yeah. it will happen to someone because someone will yeah, win. I guess yeah. so. What was the most recent payout? It wasn't it wasn't insane. It was just a couple mil. Like, wait, what's the largest historical lottery payout that's ever happened uh i think it was 1.5 billion that was one in 2018 Do, yeah but but again individual it can be they can be split sometimes too yeah but that's the that's the amount right that's the prize Pre- amount and then the cash pre-tax. out amount like like for this one that's happening it's it's valued at 1.02 billion dollars but the actual cash out number is 602.5 million mm-hmm. got it yeah so uh may fortune favor the bold Right. Uh, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, insert different Hunger Games <laughs> quotes here. Uh, but don't let the money change you. Listen, folks, uh, a great amount of fame or success, financial, social, whatever you want to call it. It uh, it doesn't necessarily make people bad. It just allows them to be more concentrated, transparent versions of who they were in the beginning. So don't let it Fair. touch you, you know. And if the townspeople start approaching you with rocks in their clenched fists, uh, run away. There you go. Guys, next time, maybe even a full episode, there's a great story out of the Grio, and it's discussing how much the state lottery board makes for every $1 they spend on ads. So, like, the, the lottery board takes in around $128 for every $1 they spend on ads, which, think about that. The amount of gains you get for putting out just um, promotion for your lottery. Hey, come mm-hmm. on, play the lottery. Mm-hmm. You, you might win. Yeah, roll the dice. You might win. And they're, <laughs> they make 128 bucks back for everyone. They spend. You know That's Let's nuts. do just a lottery episode. Let's do it. The time has come. Mm-hmm. I'll gamble on that. I bet it'll be interesting. That's what I'm betting. Me too. All right. We're going to leave for now. Hear a word from our sponsor, maybe the lottery. And we'll be right back with more strange news. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned with some strange news from the bottom of the sea. To, to take a quick diversion, have you guys seen the movie Sing? 
or sing too, perhaps with uh, CGI animals. animals that sing like popular songs. Um, I only bring this up because I recently watched Sing Two and was very pleasantly surprised to hear a song pretty prominently featured by a little remembered band uh, called Mercury Rev, um, mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, sort of had that flaming lips sound that like post, you know, um, Clouds Taste Metallic flaming lips sound, like the Soft Bullets and Era. They had that sound on lock before the Flaming Lips ever even, you know, touched it. And they have the same exact producer, a guy named Dave Fridman. So I, I like the Flaming Lips. I like that era, but I really feel like they kind of ate Mercury Rev's lunch. And there is a song in Sing Tzu that's quite beautiful called Holes. Um, and I, I was really just tickled when it, when it came on. Um, so, yeah, this, this is about holes at the bottom of the sea. There's an article on Vice that cited a report from the uh, National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, uh, a federal agency that uh, studies weather and the sea and things like that. This is specifically a wing of NOAA that does oceanic exploration. Uh, And they had this to say uh, via a tweet. On Saturday's dive, we saw several sublinear sets of holes in the seafloor. The origin of the holes has scientists stumped. The holes look human-made, but the little piles of sediment around them suggest they were excavated by something. What's your hypothesis? And it's true. There are these neat and tidy little evenly spaced out rows of holes um, and I learned a new word, by the way, uh, from this, uh, this NOAA um, reporting. Uh, it's called Lebensperin, or Lebensperin, which sounds vaguely German to me, which is a term for biological formed structures, uh, things like holes or burrows or mounds and then the like. Um, but here's the thing. They could have been made perhaps by some sort of crab or, or, or lobster or something with sort of like a, pr- a probing kind of like pointy, you know, appendage. Um, but upon further exploration and close-up photography, again, this is a mile, over a mile under the, the ocean. Sorry, I, not again, I haven't told you. It is in the mid-Atlantic ridge area of the ocean, which is deep, 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 dark ocean, which is essentially might as well be space. I mean, um, the reason they're exploring this stuff is because it holds all kinds of uh, as of yet undiscovered things, um, certain species of, of sea creature. Ben, you had mentioned uh, that you went down a sea creature rabbit hole recently because of some of the new ones Ooh. that have been discovered from this very type of exploration, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, right now, the weird thing, and I think I mentioned this before, the human species actually knows more about the surface of the moon than uh, it does about the oceanic depths you know once you get to the very bottom and so if you are a fan of cryptids if you hold out hope that uh there are more creatures yet to be discovered uh then the deep sea is one of the places to start there's actually uh the the one that i was talking to you about that messed up my research (laughs) some of the research i was doing this afternoon i totally stopped and uh learned too much about a rare tentacle-looking creature uh, that scientists just discovered at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. I'll, I'll throw it in the chat so you guys can get a little grossed out as we're uh, talking about this. But but yeah, mm. you're right. I think yeah. I saw it vaguely uh, extraterrestrial in appearance. Yeah. Right? It's like someone grabbed the top of an octopus or squid and then just sort of taffy pulled it out into this long trail. 
and then said, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's a C pen. These are real things. C pens are already a known thing, but this Uh. is like a new, possibly a new species. But all of this, uh, just to say there are continually uh, strange discoveries being made at the ocean depths. And that's why, at least with this story, Noel, I would totally not be surprised if there's a mundane explanation, but I would also totally not be surprised if it was something brand new, because these do look, uh, they're occurring at a regular interval. Uh, like they look purposely perforated. There we go. Guys, uh, I, everything you're saying about this creature, it's giving me flashbacks. I just watched Nope. No spoilers. No spoilers. But I just watched the movie Nope. And uh, oh, have you guys seen it yet? I'm very excited to see it now. I, I talked to another friend uh, today who saw it and, and, and said they absolutely loved it. So looking forward to it. I haven't seen it, but you know me. I, I read everything about it. So I, know what happens. <laughs> I haven't. I, I, I like I like peel enough to not spoil his stuff for myself because he's sort of like he's like Shyamalan, but like, you know, good. And then we has an outstate as welcome. Yeah, Shyamalan was good when he was good, but I just think he's kind of like he's a. Uh, his twists have gotten a little bit repetitive and uh, and predictable. Whereas I think um, Peel has always managed to surprise me. Uh, really liked um, Get Out, obviously, and and uh, Us. Um, but here's the thing: there was actually another. Oh, sorry, I was I, I sort of backtracked a little bit to to describe where this was. Uh, this discovery was found, um, and I didn't mention what was said about they could have been made by you know certain types of sea creatures uh, but there's blind lobsters that live down there it's something called squat lobsters different types of you know mm-hmm. subterranean deep deep sea dwelling crustaceans that have little pokey diggy things um but upon close-ups and further inspection uh there weren't any signs of of living organisms um inhabiting the holes uh, the researchers said um they go on whether the holes were connected beneath the sediment surface was not visible we hope that future studies of the uh labensporin uh forgive me if i'm mispronouncing that uh we report here will resolve the mystery of what created them um and this has actually happened before. In 2003, scientists investigating the same area uh, published a study in the uh, journal Frontiers in Marine Scientists, and they found similar types of you know anomalous kind of holes. Uh, they were described as raised sediment around uh, these holes that indicated they could have been dug out by deep sea crustaceans, like I said, um, or perhaps excavated by animals living inside the seafloor. But the authors were left with uh without a definitive answer um and and we're basically just as stumped as the the scientists uh with noah have been about this current run um so i don't know i I like the idea that it could be some mysterious creature that's doing it i like the idea that they have the idea that it's man-made is interesting to me and that was actually in the uh in the headline for the vice article by becky uh ferreira which i think is a little bit of a bait and switch but they did say it look human made they didn't really go back to to justify that or quantify that at all sort of an odd thing to say without any context but definitely got my imagination running wild Mm. we're not talking about somebody diving down there and you know putting holes in just popping miles Yeah. yeah why not yeah Unless you're James Cameron or, you know, like the government, you can't get down here. There's no there's no casual exploring the the seafloor of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. I will warn folks, uh, mainly because it gives me an excuse to use this term, this word I never get to use. If you experience uh, 
trypophobia or a fear or disgust of patterns of holes, this may not be the article for you. God, I love the English language. There's so many words that we'll just, we'll never use. Like, yeah, thankfully these holes are all totally. Thankfully, these holes are all in a line and they're not like clusters. Those are the ones that really set off yeah. the people with that uh, with that condition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually an episode or a season of um, American Horror Story, which is not always great. But there is a season where it, it, it revolves around uh, characters deepest fears and trypophobia is one. And they, you know, in typical uh, Brad Falchuk and whatever that other guy's name is fashion, they go way over the top and depicting uh, what the people are seeing who are freaked out by holes. Pretty gross. What if you got a little thalassophobia? Huh? Which one is yeah. that? Let's go through more phobias. Let's do some phobia porn. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the deep water one. Chlorophobia is that's fear the of clouds. But I think mm-hmm. if you don't have that condition, if you're a deep sea investigator and you see this trail of holes and all of a sudden you see a clown, you get chlorophobia pretty quick. Just standing there, you know, arms akimbo. And it waves to you, I think you'll be, right? Deep sea clowns. Why is that not a Whoa. thing yet? <laughs> oh, God. Deep sea clowns with wings. That would freak me out. Uh, I, I have ornithophobia. Deep which is, uh, sea fear clowns. Birds. I don't know why that feels like a lounge singer uh, number to me. Maybe in a David Lynch film. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. uh, super producer Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson, pointed out that Holes on the Ocean Floor would be a really good name for like an emo or post-rock type band. I think um, post-rock, so, yeah. Uh, don't yeah. steal it. Yeah, I think post-rock <laughs> is great. Don't don't steal it, no. conspiracy realists. Uh, let, let Alexis have this. Codename Doc is going to uh, invite us to the show next week, she said. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for some very plodding, slow instrumental jams. Okay. You'll just have to wait and see. Yes. Deal, Doc. <laughs> I'm going to buy some shoes specifically for gazing at your show. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. You know, that would be more of a post rock shoe gaze kind of situation. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, but they also don't always have to belong together. Yeah, it's a Venn diagram. That's why I'm getting I love specific it. shoes. You know, they need the, the top of the shoe needs yeah. to be exactly <laughs> like clown shoes. What about clown shoes? Not a uh-huh. clown shoe guy. My feet are no. weird enough. Yeah, my feet are basically hands, so I don't want to add no, it's, more attention. It's more to shoe to look at, yeah. you know, is what I, is what I say. More shoe to look at. But then also, you'd have to stand really far away from your massive pedal board, you know, <laughs> and uh, it'd be really hard to hit those buttons with the, with the tip of that giant shoe, which get pretty broad at the top. You'd be like slamming all three pedals, which actually might be desirable, uh, you know, if you're one of those, uh, you know, pedal heads. Anyway, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, thank you all for chatting it through and, and, uh, and, and indulging um, the, uh, the speculative kind of bent in this story. Um, but I look forward to hearing more, um, you know, because these scientists still seem to be kind of baffled. And hopefully they'll, they'll come to some conclusion and share with the class. But in the meantime, let's take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and be back with one more piece of strange news. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned. So, best of luck to the the good people at Keynes and uh, best of luck to the scientists doing tremendous mysterious work there at the ocean floor. Our last story is a prediction that has come to pass for many years when we talk about big data, big data, whatever your preference may be. Uh, we've often pointed out the imperfections of applying technology to predicting the actions of human beings. Uh, we've also, not for nothing, 
sort of uh, internalized the cautionary tale of minority reports. The idea that predicting crime, even when it seems to be accurate, can be dangerous and can have unintended consequences. Well, as we record today, and as you hear this on Monday, it happened. We're at the dawn of pre-crime right now. Uh, there's a great study came out of University of Chicago, which is frankly terrifying. These very clever researchers have created an algorithm that, according to them, can predict crime a week in advance with 90% accuracy. That's the headline. Before we go on, do you guys believe it? What data are they using? What are they feeding into the thing? Right. The old Is it, if it's social media, well, like really, if it's social media posts that are private somehow or really, I don't know, maybe they're public posts, but they're just monitoring specific mm-hmm. things. I think you could probably predict some mass shooting events if you had the like the most granular data on everybody. But, you know, I mean, on social media, everyone's just portraying the rosiest version of their psychopathy. You know, I mean, they want everyone to think they're the, the, the best, sweetest, happiest psycho in the world. I mean, nothing on social media is actually should be taken at face value. Right. I'm kidding. Obviously, uh, people use it for all kinds of reasons. But it, it makes me think of there's an Atlanta rapper. And now I'm forgetting his name, but he got wrapped up in some gun charges. recently. Gunner? Gunna? I don't remember. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out in a second. But the point is, uh, and this might ring a bell for y'all, they used his lyrics uh, to uh, as evidence against him, yeah. which obviously isn't the same as pre-crime, but I wonder if you could use that, you know, for as a form of pre-crime. You know, mm-hmm. someone is rapping about something that maybe is a fantasy, you know, or it indicates where their mind, their headspace is. Maybe that's something you could use someone's art against them. Well, uh, that yeah. Would be- it was Young data. Thug, it was by Young the way. Thug. Young that, Thug, that's right. There's a great... Jeffrey. This mm-hmm. happened to other uh, performers, too, other musicians. Uh, there, There's also a, a fantastic Key and Peele sketch about this. Uh, I will send it to you all if you haven't seen it before. I yes, remember this. Yeah. I killed Darnell. <laughs> like it's like a four thirty-five, and it just yes, exactly. It's yeah, but it shows that beautifully, right? But um, this is a good question. Where are they getting? Where are they getting the information that they are feeding the algorithm? They are using publicly available data. So this would be reports of crimes. Uh, this would be any imaginable demographic metric of a community and Hmm. what they, what, what kind of stuff are we talking about? Just to give you a brief laundry list. uh, This is pulled from the history of the city of Chicago and they had two broad categories that they were testing the tool against. Once they fed all this junk into it, they wanted to see what they could predict. Their two buckets are one violent crimes, homicides, assaults, batteries, you know, all of those, and then property crimes, burglary, theft, grand theft auto, all the hits. And these these particular ones were used because they were most likely to be reported to police in those areas. Because as anyone who's lived, you know, on on the edges of different things knows, uh, many crimes never have the police involved, right? And it's just sort of understood between the victim and the perpetrator, even when they switch sides and revenge schemes, you know? But they also said, okay, these are going to be reported in urban areas 
where there is historical distrust and lack of cooperation with Johnny Law, they still they thought, okay, even if you don't like the cops, you're still going to say, hey, someone stole my car. So we know that because of that, there's a high likelihood that the number of crimes that have occurred in that regard are is very close to the number of crimes that are reported, meaning the data is uh, more solid, right? Especially more solid than something like drug crimes or some misdemeanor infractions, because those are prone to what's known as enforcement bias, which is exactly what it sounds like. We don't have to overthink it. So this uh, the PhD uh, senior author of the study, uh, Ishanu Chado Padhai, uh, in part of my mispronunciation of getting this wrong, uh, said that this tool is different because it takes in the complex social environment of cities. And it also considers the relationship between crime and the effects of police enforcement. It's pretty smart. It divides. So picture yourself playing like uh, Sim City or Civilization or something. It divides the city of Chicago into tiles. They're pretty small, about a thousand feet across, and it predicts crime within those areas instead of relying on traditional boundaries of like neighborhoods or political districts, because those are also subject to bias. Mm. Uh, it did this in Atlanta, in Austin, Detroit, uh, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Portland, and San Francisco, in addition to Chicago. So they tested this in a couple of different places. And what they found, and what seems to be true, is that they, yes, they can predict crime about a week in advance. So that like about a week in advance with 90% accuracy, they can take what happened in the past and then through this algorithm, they can, they can run it through this thing with all these other intervening variables. And then it will tell them like, hey, the specifics are a little tough for me, but then we'll say something along the lines of, hey, there are going to be X number of cars stolen next week. Or something like that. I don't know how predictive they can be or how sophisticated. I don't know if they could say the 2004 green Honda Odyssey, right, with a, with a crappy transmission or anything like that. Do they have to have info on the people, like specific to the people, like psychological profiles or any information that, that, that's uh, specific to individuals? Or is it more big picture and like, you know, like, like that's a really good point, Ben, civilization or like SimCity, like a top down kind of view where the individuals are less important than just the way the complex system of it all kind of. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has that. Right. It's it, you're we're just talking about the overlay of the city. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You get it like a grid and like, here's when things happen and exactly where within these little specific parts of the city. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it, it's so weird. Really? Ben, I don't see how you can make it actionable. Like right. who ca- like who cares if we know that five cars are going to get stolen in the next if seven we don't days? Know like which what cars we, those are? Do we put, well, you know do we they put talk a about this a tile? lot is on the boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The boys uh, in that show, that like the seven, they have these, you know, this department that's looking into crime and someone makes a comment. They can usually predict a crime like a week or so before it happens. So and it's, you know, similar kind of data that they're crunching. It also reminds me of this anime called Psychopaths um, that is more about the individuals where they can actually they're taking measurements of the citizens of Japan's, you know, biometrics of their brains and uh, generating these. They call them cymatic scans that allow them to with a 
pretty high degree of, of uh, certainty predict who will be potential criminals. You know, criminal criminality potential is the term they use, uh, and they get color coded on a map. But the the dangerous this th- is not that yeah. this is science fiction. Well, there's yeah. a, there's something very dangerous with all these things and their historical precedents, right? Law enforcement throughout all civilizations, various versions of law enforcement were attempting to predict crime. And their uh, rubric for this, although it varied widely, it was hardly scientific. And most times it was really rooted in xenophobia, in racism, in some other form of discrimination, right? Uh, So the question is, how much of that has descended to this program? And if you look at the the research just got published in Nature, Human Behavior, uh, and what they found was a twist to the plot, a Shyamalan twist, you could say. And I don't think he's that bad. But uh, they found that this thing could accurately predict crime, especially in Chicago, but it also laid bare some heavy biases in police responses. They found stuff like um, if you stress the system, that's what the senior author calls it, it requires more resources to arrest more people in response to crime in a wealthy area. And that almost always draws police resources away from areas with lower socioeconomic status. So police are paying more attention to the quote unquote good parts of town. They're also working kind of in response to earlier experiments from Chicago PD or associated with Chicago Police Department. Uh, A while back, the Chicago PD tried another algorithm that created a list of people deemed most at risk of being involved in a shooting. And it turned out that over half of the black men in Chicago between 20 and 29 appeared on it. So. This is why the the people who made this new algorithm, this new AI algorithm, are really concerned that the data that they're using in their model may be biased, which therefore means, to your point, Matt, that the conclusions it creates will be biased. And they also said, just to answer another couple quick questions about how far into the dystopia we are, they also said that uh, the algorithm, the AI, does not identify specific subjects, right? So it's not it's not saying Paul Mission Control Decant is out on another loose diamond heist over at uh, Zales or whatever is in your neck of the woods, folks. Uh, there used to be Shane Company here. The commercials were hilarious. Instead, instead of identifying specific subjects, it identifies potential sites of crime. And they've released the data and the algorithm. They didn't keep it proprietary. They released it into the public sphere because they want other researchers to check out its reasoning, its conclusions. They want to test it. And then one thing that really caught me is I was comparing this to previous previous kind of DARPA work, uh, or DARPA-sponsored, excuse me, work with creating uh, virtual models of things like Afghanistan or other communities or other areas of the world, you could say, and their idea there, which was pretty like frighteningly successful, uh, their idea was that if you can create a simulated version of a place with enough sophistication, with enough fidelity, if you have enough information about it, then you can plug in changes, right, in your make it upsies 
universe. And then what happens as a result of that in this virtual environment will be very close to what happens in the real world with the same set of actions. So that's what they have done. They said, we've made this thing that is close enough to the actual city of Chicago or those seven other cities for our purposes that when we feed it data from the past, it tells us what will happen in the future. Because like a Lovecraftian elder god, it sees beyond time. They didn't say that last part. I added that in for a little bit of uh, editorial you know, style. But he also said it's not magical. It has limitations, quote, but we validated it and it works very, very well. So if that's what's happening, if we have a kind of a thing that's kind of like a, a precog, precognitive bloodhound for geography of crime, how far along a slippery slope are we? Do you guys think this would get deployed in uh, in other cities or get used past the experimental proof of concept phase? I mean, I think people in the real estate industry would be very interested to have this information. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that when it comes to how like how much they could charge or how little they should charge for a home. Is that what yeah, you mean? Part of it for the buyers and the sellers. You know, uh, if you know, yeah, like because there are crime ratings, right? Safety ratings, it might be called by zip yeah. code. Um, maybe that's not maybe that's not the best example. I I don't know. It's just like if you have that statistic, why? What's to stop police from just saying, okay, we're going to pretty much garrison people in these things for a week? Post up. Yeah, I don't know here. if that's smart. Yeah, no, I get it. Or, or like set up points of entry, you know, like um, roadblocks kind of like, you know, I mean, that's, it sort of takes the sport out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't mean to sound flippant <laughs> like that. I just, you know, I mean, uh, anyway, yeah. I'm just going to go back to what I, my thought in the beginning of this, Ben, and that is if you take this, the models they're creating and the statistical analysis that they're doing, and you combine that with something like Sesame Credit or something that is very closely monitoring social media and purchases and interaction, all like inter interpersonal interaction on that way and generating yeah. that yeah. data set. If you combine those two things, that's when you get actual precog, pre-crime insanity. Right. You just have to you know what I was thinking about the same thing, man, because if you look at your phone. A lot of people are listening to this on their phone, right? So you look at your phone right now and imagine it not just as a single invention, but imagine it as a multitude of separate inventions that have been combined to create something amazing. That's how these sorts of innovations occur. That's what precog and pre-crime stuff will be. It'll be like your phone. It'll look like one thing in the end, but it's really going to be a, a mass, an aggregation of innovations like this. Is this good? Will this maybe save lives? Of course, that's the hope. Um, but that part is up to society at large. And I want to shout out the scientist involved who did excellent work on this study and on this algorithm uh, because they're incredibly conscientious about this. It's very much a case of them having done everything they can do. You know what I mean? They can't start a vigilante squad and go try to save a Honda Odyssey for some reason. Also, why would you? But yeah, why? why? Yeah, why? But uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, 
But I do think it's worth everybody's time if you're interested in this. I know we have a lot of thoughts on this, uh, folks. Um, fellow conspiracy realists, I would recommend checking out the study firsthand and then reading what people have written about it. The title is Event Level Prediction of Urban Crime Reveals Signature of Enforcement Bias in U.S. Cities. So they put it in the title. It came out at the very end of June, Nature, Human Behavior. That's the journal. Uh, do check it out. Would love to hear your thoughts. Would love to hear your take on Keynes. Uh, would love to hear what you think about the lottery. And again, uh, you know, we want your opinions on what lurks at the ocean's depths. We want you, specifically you, conspiracy realist. No, not that person next to you. You to write in, be part of a show, join us for our listener mail segment. As a matter of fact, the only person we don't want to hear from if you recently won a lottery, don't tell us. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Otherwise, for everybody else, we try to be easy to find online. Correct. You can find us all over the internet. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. A Conspiracy Stuff show on Instagram. Hey, and if you did win the lottery, why not chip in? Buy about... I don't know, 400,000 copies of our new book, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. <laughs> we could distribute them across the planet <laughs> together. <laughs> Tired or of hearing about just... it? It's like it's, uh, it's pledge drive rules. You know, consider <laughs> yeah. us like the, we're, we're NPR. Just get the book and then we, we could stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you can also reach us by phone. Our number is 1 833 STDWYTK. about it, Ben. That's right. You will hear a hopefully familiar voice. You'll hear a beep that lets you know you're in the right place. And then you're off to the races. You have three minutes. Those three minutes are your own. Uh, we ask only that you do the following. Please give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, who doesn't love those? Tell us what's on your mind. Let us know if we have your permission to use your name uh, and or voice on air. And most importantly, if your story needs more than three minutes, we want to hear the whole thing. Write it out. We read every single email we get. Send us the links. Send us the uh, photos. Send us the video. Take us to the edge of the rabbit hole, and we will see how deep it goes. All you have to do is send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels 
A Story of California Corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.